Yeah, I, th- I think there's just one for the record thing that I was going to mention on this. I thought I had something else, but I'm not going to mention the pound difference of, of what we said of Tim Allen's Coke thing. No. <laughs> I'm not going to get that's that's not that, that's not really. I think the way I said it too was not necessarily definitive. That's kind that, of yeah. I know exactly how much cocaine the man had on him. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to I'd Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. I'm your host, Sean Hartman, and I may be a simple traveler passing through, but I'm still just happy to be here. <laughs> uh, I love when you're just happy to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm co-host Jeremy, and I was the traveler passing through Meyer. Grabbing the last of the pumpkin spice cookies. What's Meyer? R.I.P. Oh, Meyer is our regional grocery chain store here for those not in the Midwest. You were grabbing up the last of the Halloween goodies. Yeah, pumpkin spice cookies. Yeah, I just had I I had a couple. Were those ones the ones you baked? Yeah, pretty good. Thank you. Gotta say. I'm a bit of a baker. The Halloween spirit lives on in the Ruggles household. That's true. I just lit my pumpkin candle before we started. Still have my Halloween decorations up. I don't give a damn. <laughs> well, this is even better since how it's uh, like mid-November when people are hearing this. Sounds even more egregious. Oh, they'll still be up then. when do you plan on taking them down like never do you just kind of put blankets over your halloween decorations until you can unveil them again next year nope just gonna put santa hats on the on top of the (laughs) things with heads well no one can argue that you're not at least efficient (laughs) we're gonna have to start thinking about our christmas episode soon enough but in the meantime i am wait you guys don't have your christmas record picked out because i already do no (sighs) wow you so rudely interrupted co-host Peter. Did I derail? Was that bad? <laughs> I really wanted to linger on that point, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. That's why I jumped in. I had to save it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, every year I scramble to find a Christmas record to feature because I don't really have any. So <laughs> Sean, meanwhile, just buys them up all year long. Yeah, big fan. Okay, let's try this again. I am co-host Peter Cook, and fun fact, I was born about 40 miles away from where the artist that we are featuring today was born. I was wondering that when I was doing my research. Yeah. Now I know, 40 miles, less than an hour. Yeah. Yeah, it's about like a 45-minute drive. Wow. Yeah. And what a pleasant drive it would be without billboards on the highway. Yeah, because it's in Vermont, so there aren't billboards. They don't have them. It's shockingly pleasant to drive through Vermont. Just looking at trees. Amazing. What a concept. Nature. Well, who is this artist that was born in Vermont? This artist that was born in Vermont that we will be covering today is Louis Collins. 
a New England area folk singer. I I'm gonna I'm just gonna build the scene here as to why I picked this record this week. Peter and I are in the state of Michigan in the United States, and it's winter like five or six months here every year, and we are currently standing on the precipice of winter. You know, we've had some pretty nice days recently, but it's supposed to hit below freezing in the next week. And I hate winter. And this is like when I break out all my folky albums, my, you know, Neil Young live albums and Leonard Cohen and Karen Dalton and all the depressing folky stuff. And this feels right in that hall of uh, folky albums that I want to hear this time of year. (laughs) The soundtrack to seasonal depression. Yeah, to beat that winter depression, (laughs) you listen to depressing music. Though this album is not super depressing. It's it's got some sad ones in there, but it's also got some uppers. Yeah. What are we starting with? Which, Which vibe did you go for to kick things off? Well... I thought it would be appropriate to start with Awaiting the Snow. Oh. Because that's what we're doing, you you're, see? You're going full theme with this. Oh, yeah. I. You think I just make this stuff up off the dome every week? This is pre-planned, no, baby. No, I've heard your uh, exclusive monthly mixes that we'll talk about later. You are always conceptual. <laughs> I, I'm highly conceptual, if nothing else. All right, side B, track five, Awaiting the Snow, Louie Collins, from her album Baptism of Fire. The year? 1981. 80s folk, awesome. Let's get into it. Sadness 
got that minor key melody wintry imagery it's the less dark version of bob dylan's the ballad of hollis brown true <laughs> which that one gets a little little intense but the, you know this one yeah a mood setter for sure yeah if you're in if you want to be in that mood i don't get a choice it just happens it happens to me yeah so this album is like a form of radical acceptance for you uh yeah we'll go with that (laughs) i will say this this is not like a long time album in my arsenal this is something i picked up uh leading up to this season trying to build up that's how I operate. I build up a little catalog. Oh, yeah. so you haven't actually this one will be this will be its maiden voyage this, this is winter. Its, yeah, maiden voyage in my seasonal depression, yes. <laughs> but the cover is what first intrigued me. It's kind of got like a firebird thing going on. It's called Baptism of Fire. And the artist was Louis Collins, L U I. And I was just like, whoa, this looks hard. <laughs> you thought it was going to be some dark like doom metal? I thought it would be like edgy or heavy in some manner. And it was not that. <laughs> it yeah. was folk music. But it turned out it was very good folk music. Louise, a fantastic singer, as I'm sure you may have noted and will further note as we work through the songs here. Yeah, from what I heard, there's a pretty good variety of atmospheres, vibes present throughout this record. It's not, I mean, we, we've kind of addressed that already. It's not all like what we just heard. No, and I don't, I don't get the impression it's like conceptual at all, really. The songs don't seem to be like around a certain theme. No, we discussed a little bit beforehand that it doesn't even really seem like much thought was put into the track sequencing yeah as far as i can tell i'm not sure that yeah there's any intention there just kind of capturing songs she made because uh she's not like a pop artist she was not at this time and was not really at any point in her career so there's not that kind of like manufacturing of you know, it's a product. Yeah, I don't, I didn't see what label this is on, but it's not a major label, right? No, it's Philo Records. Have you heard of that? No. Uh, man, is there someone of note on that, on that label? So I'll, I'll just give the little spiel on Philo now instead of later, like I planned. <laughs> <laughs> but they were founded in 1973 in North Ferrisburg, Vermont, where they converted a dairy barn into a studio. That sounds like some Vermont shit. Yeah. <laughs> and they, their kind of ethos was letting artists make all the calls as far as producing things, which songs to do. 
they just trusted the artist to do that. And they also didn't like they recorded artists who they thought were making good music, not who had built up an audience in the area or who they thought might have commercial potential. Mm -hmm. It was a very like idealistic label, I'd say. Yeah. And they were doing this in the 70s. Yeah. 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 And they put out records by Utah Phillips, who I love, Dave Van Ronk, Nancy Griffith. Ray Wiley Hubbard, and Rosalie Sorrells, along with a bunch of others. Those are some noteworthy names, though. Yeah. Folk singers. Yeah. It looks like they were purchased by Rounder Records a year after this album came out in 82, so going deep on the the folk music connections there. Yeah, they, they had a few of the distributors went out of business that year, and also with the change over to cds they didn't have a way to have cds made so they sold to rounder records in 82 but let's talk about the artists themselves louis collins who was born a mere 40 miles from peter cook our co-host in bar vermont in 1950 30 years before i was born 40 miles in 30 years (laughs) Not so far to travel, especially when there's no billboards. Exactly. I couldn't find much about her early life. I couldn't, I mean, all this information I cobbled together from various interviews I was able to find, which there's not a ton, and there's not a ton of, like, centralized information anywhere, but... Yeah, there's a small Wikipedia article, correct? Yeah, it's like a one-paragraph Wikipedia thing. Yeah. But even, like, her bio on her website and stuff, like, I just felt like there are pieces everywhere and not, like, the whole picture anywhere. But not much on her early life. She attended the University of Connecticut, initially studying classical music, and decided to switch over to sociology And that's when she started writing her own songs. Before that, she was performing around town, but doing covers of a lot of, like, the 60s artists, Bob Dylan and Joni Mitchell, Joan Baez. That seems to be often the folk singer story, as I I learned these songs, especially in that time period, people who were late 60s, early 70s going to college. I, I kind of learned these songs as a teenager, then I went to college and started learning more about the world and began writing my own songs. Yeah. Yeah, and that seems to be what happened here. Yeah. Though I was a little surprised it wasn't until she stopped studying classical music that she decided to start writing songs. That was interesting. After she gets out of college, she began touring the the New England folk club scene. It was apparently pretty thriving in that era. Boston was kind of a hot spot outside of New York as far as the folk music scene. She toured through the mid-70s and released her first album, Made in New England, in 1978 on Philo Records. Some real regional pride. Yeah, and that's... I mean, I hadn't heard of Louis Collins before picking up this album, and it seems like she's seen as like a a crown jewel in that area in the folk scene. 
but is not like well known outside of it. Yeah, it's. I feel like there was a lot going on there. And you, even some of the artists you mentioned, like Dave Van Rock, I'd say he's, you know, he was huge in the Greenwich Village scene in New York. And I think most people just know his name in his connection with Dylan now. Yeah. <laughs> From like making one like comment on a Bob Dylan documentary. Yeah. About, yeah. Dylan stealing uh house of the rising sun from him. And then the, the animals stealing it from Dylan or, or, or yeah, <laughs> that whole comment. Yeah. Let's, I want to play another song now before we keep ripping in here. I'm going to play the song I liked most on this album, the tinkers coin. All right. Where does that fall on the LP? That would fall inside a track four, Peter. Fantastic. Beautiful song was playing. Co-host Peter was knocking me around over here, saying, "This sounds like Ren Fair music, Jer." Hmm? Doing a little brow beating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've been planning to say that ever since I first listened to this album. Oh my gosh! And then you picked this one. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I know she says shillings in it and <laughs> Saxon, but it's. It comes off to me more like English folk, like Richard and Linda Thompson stuff that I really do like. Uh, Two artists that are like very Renfair music adjacent. When they're not that. 
Mm-hmm. It sounds like uh, I'm just hearing a lot of excuses from you, Jeremy. It sounds like someone might be in a little bit of Renfair denial. <laughs> okay, to be fairs, there wasn't a lot of throwback instrumentation in there. There wasn't mm. hurdy-gurdy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It didn't feel melodically much like Renfair to me either. Like a little bit, but It's not... a little traditional British folk. Yeah. 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 Didn't get into like Celtic vibes as much you're saying, or eh, there's a tinge of that, or more of the medieval folk rock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with prog leanings. <laughs> I think that's what really gets you is the stuff that like is anachronistic. That sounds like electrified, traditional. That that seems to really that might get... be it because I like music like this quite a bit. There's a a show I used to listen to. That's no longer being aired. Shrunken Planet, that he mixes in a lot of music that sounds like this, like real mellow, folky, kind of hypnotic sounds. So go find the old episodes of Shrunken Planet if you like this. This was my favorite song on the album. Same. It's great. Yeah, it jumped out to me pretty quickly as a top song right away, too. Is this an original? Are they all originals? They're uh, it's like half and half. Okay. Uh, this one was written by Jack Hardy, who is a folk singer in that area in that time. She covered like Julie Snow did the song Baptism of Fire that the album is named after. She was apparently good friends with Julie Snow. Yeah, it's, uh, it's common that folk singers will cover their contemporaries. Yeah. Yeah, and she does, like, Greg Brown, mm-hmm. who is a folk singer of that time. Fantastic, yeah. He has, yeah, he has some really good songs. And Stan Rogers, who's also a super good I folk. Re- yeah, that's a name I recognize, but I can't place. Yeah, so, but yeah. Yeah, so she's not covering big hits. It's, yeah, like you said, more her contemporaries, some, like, people who are friends of hers. Mm-hmm. Probably, you know, a little circuit, the folk circuit of the late 70s into the 80s. You know, it's a small but tight-knit <laughs> circle. Yeah, I stumbled upon some type of, like, exhibit going on of someone showing artifacts from the 80s folk revival in that area, in the New England area, and that kind of confused me because... I don't know of any 80s folk revival, (laughs) Uh, but maybe it was more of a regional thing. I feel like the 80s was a time when it was deeply uncool to be folk, like in the pop world and like the national spectrum in America, folk was not a thing going on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, like we previously talked about the Roaches and yeah, they... They were on a major label, but even they really struggled for big time success. Yeah. Recognition. Yeah. And like when I think of it, like Tracy Chapman, I guess, or yeah. Suzanne Vega. Yeah. More like mid to late 80s. Yeah. Those are later on. Like mm-hmm. at this time, New Wave is starting to happen. Disco just happened. It's, I don't know. I feel like folk was way out of favor. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's about 10 years past its time in the pop world. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, when I think of the Reagan era, I don't usually think of folk music. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, but they were underground, cranking away good-ass tunes in New England still. But there's aspects of the production going on that, like, hint at the 80s, and it's very, like, crisp and clean. It's not like that trying to sound raw and authentic kind of thing that I feel like former folk artists tried to capture. So it it kind of moves into new ground a little bit in my mind for its era. You know, later on that would become kind of a norm, like super clean, minimalist folk kind of sound. But I don't really, I can't think of things from that era that match how this sounds. That's interesting thinking about really, yeah, folk music in the pop world. You know, as you mentioned that later in the 80s, you get Suzanne Vega, Tracy Chapman. In the 90s, you get Jewel. (laughs) That's, you know, very clean. I feel like very packaged for mass audiences. But you know what was kind of on the other side of that around the same time? Beck. Yeah. You know, there... It was very much, you know, it was commercial, but it was much more raw. Yeah. Yeah, and you have, like, the Elephant Six stuff going on in the mm, 90s. Yeah. It's kind of, like, raw, maybe a little throwbacky, But, yeah, 80s. Weird time for folk. <laughs> Actually, like, I stumbled on some article that was, like, a history of folk, and they're, like, describing artists up and through about Nick Drake, and then it says in the article, skipping ahead to the 90s, parentheses, (laughs) 80s folks sucked. And then that's all it had to say about the whole decade of the 80s. Wow. (laughs) Folk music. (laughs) Really in-depth commentary. Yeah. Disappointing article. Don't look it up. Well, let me touch on some of the players. I think we, this is her second album, I guess, to be clear. She put out her first one, Made in New England, in 78, and this is the second album in 81, also on Philo Records, before they would go out of business. But let me just name some of these players. On the tenor guitar, mandolin, and backing vox, you have Bill Lauf Jr. Backing vox would be backing vocals. Oh, yeah, I say vox always. (laughs) There's a Vox organ and stuff like that, so yeah, just just for our clarity for our listeners. That's good job. Thank you. <laughs> Bill Lauf was pretty interesting. Him and Horace Williams Jr., who also played on this album, played guitar, background, singing, not Vox. <laughs> they did a couple tours where they walked like hundreds of miles with their instruments and would just like stop in at places, do a show, walk 20, 30 miles, play another show. And yeah, the first one they did, they trekked like 390 miles. And then they did one later where they ended in Greenwich Village and it was like 410 miles or something they walked. Wow. Pretty wild. Uh, like, it feels kind of gimmicky, but also not. Yeah, I, that's what kind of my brain went to. Was that a uh, sort of a bid for authenticity of, like, yeah, we're out on the road, you know, 
we're walking the road every inch of it. Literally hoofing it. Yeah. <laughs> Boots on the ground. Boots on the ground. You have also Gordon Johnson on this record playing the bass. He played with Paul Winter. Recently featured. Recently uh, featured. And I'd buy that for a dollar. And I'd buy that for a dollar. Played with Greg Brown, who we mentioned. Chuck Mangione. I played with a couple other like big jazz names. And you can hear it on this album when there is bass in the songs. It's like kind of jazzy. Personally, I kind of hate the tone <laughs> of the bass. It's like super, super clean and high endy, which is not my vibe when I want to hear bass guitar, but... Well, the, the jazz records he played on are uh, not well-remembered, I will say that. So <laughs> he was going for a, a style of music that is pretty dated at this point. Yeah, but he was his playing was phenomenal throughout the record, I will say that to mm-hmm. his credit. You got Victor Stefans on drums. He would later become an engineer and producer himself with the Horizon Music Group. You got David Darling on the cello. He was a pretty big name who also played with Paul Winter. Yeah, he was one of the longest-running Paul Winter sidemen. He's on a bunch of records with him. Yeah, and he went on to play with the Nashville Symphony Orchestra and did a bunch of albums in his own right. Very uh, talented cellist. He got Ted Moore on percussion, also played with Paul Winter. Seeing a little theme here? Yeah, starting <laughs> to detect a theme. And then Sean Herman played harp, and I couldn't find anything about Sean Herman, the harp harpist. Probably <laughs> played with Paul Winter, though. <laughs> Odds, yeah. Odds <laughs> are Paul Winter alumni. So those are the players. Uh, after this album, Louis put out There's a Light in 1985 and then retired from music in 1986. That stuck for about seven years. I'm pretty sure she had a child in 1985. But yeah. it's also, I just heard it mentioned in passing by her <laughs> in an interview because there's not really personal details about her out there on the internet. But that's pretty good deductive reasoning. <laughs> yeah. So she retired and then unretired sometime in the early 90s and has put out six more albums since then. She's still playing live here and there. It looked like she played just this past summer at one point. She's been teaching music to children as her part of her uh, gigs she's doing out there and at some point in the 90s picked up banjo and got into like claw hammer banjo and is playing uke a little now as well so she's still learning instruments still putting out music still teaching the, the kids how to do it still out there doing her thing now on tiktok showing the kids how to play banjo <laughs> I hope so. I don't have TikTok, so couldn't can't do, check. But couldn't do that kind of research. <laughs> I didn't do that kind of research. Maybe it's time I get TikTok. Yeah, you can find out what people are doing with 
the bottoms of pumpkins on there too. Like you were so angry. Oh, about don't. Why would you bring up the pumpkins? <laughs> I'm sorry to be, it was amusing, but I, it, it was different for you. That's true. All right. I'm going to play another song now. What you got? We're going to play January thaw. This is wow. Peter almost said a spit take. That was a very close to a spit take. Just the, <laughs> thematically you're really you're leaning into it yeah don't mess around <laughs> but this is uh one of louis songs that she wrote we're talking side b track to january thaw stormy weather drove me drop anchor fast and hold up tight in solitary harbor fill the cracks and mend the lines to spend the deck's not rolling under me My land legs aren't too steady But they'll strengthen given time So give me time, don't shine your sun So warm, so full of fascination Give me time, don't tempt me To go rushing off to sea November snow lies on the ground are you a January thaw? Come to promise springtime and deceive my fragile heart. Each one offered sailing fun, I braved the challenge every time. Brisk winds filled my sails, a dazzling sun did warm my bones. But winter follows sun. Now I'm needing time to be alone Sheltered on the land For here it was that I was born So give me time, don't shine your sun So warm, so full of fascination Give me time, don't tempt me To go rushing off to see November snow lies on the ground are you a January thaw? Come to promise springtime and deceive my fragile heart. Part of me wants summer now, but part of me still knows time one spends in solitude is time one needs to grow. And winter months teach patience hover by. More like Maythaw here in Michigan, right, guys? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Be nice to have the things thaw in January. Yeah, thaw out for my birthday, maybe. No such luck. No such luck, yeah. We'll see. Climate change might be nice to us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is there a climate change theme song on this album? I, I, I don't think that it was really in the uh, vocabulary at this point. No, no. But uh, yeah, that's a, I almost feel like the instrumentation, like the, you know, the bass, the drums almost felt like they were going in a different direction than the the song itself. Yeah. And that song shifts a few times in the song. Like, I don't know if it's a rhythmic shift or just the parts, but yeah, it feels like things keep kind of shifting around. Yeah. It almost felt like 
King Crimson like crept in on that track or something. <laughs> It's like they they were supposed to be at a roaches session, but Robert <laughs> Fripp snuck into the into the dairy barn. <laughs> yeah, or Tony Levin on the bass. Yeah, that's that's all I got on Louis' life. Sean, do you have any recommended albums? Uh, I mean, kind of, kind of. Uh, I <laughs> I had to call in some assistance from the other two co-hosts today because eighties folk is. Definitely not in my wheelhouse. I don't really collect anything similar to this, so I don't have any like good personal recommendations. However, I went back through the I'd Buy That for a Dollar catalog and picked out four records that we've talked about before that I think are similar. So if you're a new listener and you enjoyed this and want something similar, why not check out the Frank Folk Singer episode? Yeah. Album came out in 85. Another Jeremy pick. Some similarities in that 80s folk interpretations. Uh, next one, The Roaches, self-titled from 79. One of Jeremy's favorite records we've ever done. True. A theme. <laughs> Chris Williamson, The Changer and The Changed from 75. Yeah, that came to mind when I was listening to this. Yeah, definitely some similarities. Also a Jeremy pick. And last one, Janice Ian, Between the Lines from 1975. I don't think I picked that one. That was me. Oh, that, that was, was a you. Peter okay. pick. Yep. Early one. One of the early episodes. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I had a couple folk picks early on. I also did the Melanie Gather Me album very early on on this podcast. True. And on our, we have our on our Patreon. One of our tiers, our $10 tier on the Patreon, which you can check out over at patreon.com slash I'd buy that podcast. Each of us co-hosts rotate monthly, making a mix related to the episodes, the albums that we feature from that month. And for the November exclusive monthly mix, I put a song by Melanie on there. It was from her 1970 album, Candles in the Rain, which I, I put the it's interesting because I put the title track candles in the rain, which is followed by lay down subtitle candles in the rain. (laughs) She really leans into that candles in the rain on that album. So, uh, I put that on there. That's from, yeah, 1970. I also put a song from the roaches second album nerds from 1980 on there and the roaches, they were new England, uh, as well. They would have, you know, right around the same time. And, you know, of course, they were on Warner Brothers and working yeah. with King Crimson, as we mentioned. But, yeah, so put a Roach's song on there. And uh, Kate and Anna McGarrigal, I put a track by them. Actually, I did their version of Swimming Song by Loudon Wainwright Third, which I think on my last mix I had put his version on there. But yeah. there, theirs is more like a fall-sounding, like an autumnal-sounding version of that song. Oh, I haven't heard that yet, and I love that song. I think we're going to have to do that self-titled Kate and Anna McGarrigal album from 76 sooner or later, because it's it's another, it's another it'll be right up your alley, Jeremy. <laughs> All right. I'll add it to my uh, pile of records over here. So, yeah, once again, you can, if you're not already signed up for our Patreon, check out patreon.com slash I'd Buy That Podcast. At the $1 tier, you get the early access get episodes in advance at the five dollar tier you also get bonus episodes that we record on 45s at the ten dollar tier you'll also get exclusive monthly mixes 
And I believe our $20 tier is currently full, but that is... It is. Yeah, that's the vinyl subscription where each month we... Co-host Sean sends some records your way along with a handwritten note. So if you if you go on there and, and you can look for an opening <laughs> at some point, just every day check yeah. patreon.com <laughs> slash I'd buy that podcast and see if there's an opening on the vinyl tier. Yeah, our $20 tier is getting competitive. Yeah. That's, uh, we'll call that success. Yes, I would call that success. I have one other album I want to recommend. I mentioned earlier Suzanne Vega, her self-titled album from 1985, I feel like is in this vein. Mm-hmm. Some of her later work, this this album doesn't have the Tom Steiner song on it, which I am grateful for personally. Yeah, yeah that's the one. Yep. But this album is also, I feel like there's more folk to it i feel like more popness kind of crept in to her music over time but this one's good and folky and go check it out suzanne vega self-titled 1985 yeah you know, there's other artists you know of course i don't think you're ever going to find her stuff cheap but Sinead o'connor was oh yeah you can find her first album cheaper mm-hmm. but yeah there's uh, Bruce Coburn. You know, there's some other 80s folk artists out there. On You know, I I'm, I really hope we can find more records like this from regional scenes, which I'm sure can sometimes really, the availability to find this stuff can really depend on where you live. Yeah. Yep. Where did you find this one, Jeremy? Well, I got this one from DJ Hard Bargain on ah. Discogs. <laughs> Uh, after Sean moved out east, nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah, so that makes sense. He probably picked it up out there yeah. in Philly and probably made its way down from... Out here a little closer to Vermont. Yeah. Well, very cool. DJ Hard Bargain bringing the hits. On Discogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get out of here, I did want to do a quick installment of For the Record, where we... Set the record straight on misinformation stated on previous episodes of the podcast. And this one is from our Ventures Rock and Roll Forever episode. On that, we stated that the original version of You Can't Sit Down was released by Phil Upchurch. It was originally recorded in 1959 as Can't Sit Down by the Bim Bam Boos, featuring Phil Upchurch on guitar and Cornell Muldrow on organ. Phil Upchurch's version was recorded in 1960 and released in 1961 with both Upchurch and Muldrow performing on that version as well. So just a quick little for the record. I know we got into a little debate about that song on that episode. <laughs> so right. we, uh, we care about the facts here. Nothing but the facts. Nothing but the facts. And with that, do we have any final thoughts? On Louis Collins? No, I'm ready to chomp down some more pumpkin spice cookies. Well, what song did you want to leave us with today? I'll leave us with Second Effort. Also, this one was like up there fighting for my favorite song on the album with Tinker's Coin. 
And this is an, an original by Louis Collins. This one is not an original. This one is the Stan Rogers song featured. Okay. Who Stan Rogers at one point said that Louis sings his songs better than he ever could. So here's Louis singing one of his songs. Talking side B, track four. Thank you for listening. I'm co-host Jeremy. I'm co-host Peter. And I'm co-host Sean. I've been sitting here crying since long before the day began. It's full of nothing but broken dreams, my head and my empty hands. The winnings that I thought I had Come so far again. Further away than they've ever been, they've been taken by another man. I wouldn't take a train for home, even if I could. Cause they've been saving their joy for the hometown boy who went away to make it good. Well, I bet they cleared away the party So my mom can dance me in the door And the old man can wink and pour me a drink Escape and a ticket to an island.